Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. It's Film Reviews and Movie News. I'm Stuart Pink and joining me, as always, Head of Intergalactic Race Relations for the Men in Black, it's Mark Searby. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, That just makes me think of... uh, Do you know, it's weird. You say Men in Black and I'm just instantly transported to the song rather than the film. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, Not your head think, or the Men in Black? I think that's more to do with the fact that when Men in Black came out, I was DJing a lot and that song was, like I mean, it was everywhere. For anybody who remembers that, you know, I mean, it was so big. It really was. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's weird. It makes me think more about the song than the actual film. I like the film. It's good fun. Um, yeah. Good mm. job for you as well. Lots yeah, I could do that job. Meet lots of people job. and other things. Lots of aliens. Lots of... Yeah, I'd love to hang out with those little little guys. What they're called, <laughs> the wormy ones. Yes, I forgot what they're called, but they look seem like great fun. But they're playing Twister. <laughs> what what a what a life! <laughs> We've been here ten thousand years. Oh, really? Oh, we've been here five minutes. <laughs> yeah, they still never leave the room. I mean, yeah, ten thousand years in the same building. <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> Sounds like us. Lockdown. <laughs> yes, lockdown 3.0. Before it was fashionable. Yes. So what's going on this week, Mark? So movie news. Quite a bit of movie news this week. Um, I think most people will possibly have seen the new trailer for Zack Schneider's Justice League. So, Oh, yes. Yes. So that's coming out. It's meant to... So the, the official release date in the US is the 18th of March, okay? And it's going to be on HBO Max there in the US. People keep saying, when are we getting in the UK? I don't know. All I know is coming soon. That's the only information coming I've got. Soon. Coming um, soon. So I don't know what's happening with it at all, apart from the fact that we're going to get it. I don't know if they're going to wait for cinemas to reopen here or if it's going to be on a video on demand. So you pay for it. Probably be a premium video on demand, to be honest. Um, mm. Nobody knows. So we're kind of in limbo as to when we will get it and how we will get it as well. Um, yeah, need to send up a bat signal or something. Yes, yes, we could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so that's one piece of movie news. Uh, something that dropped midweek uh, is that the Paranormal Activity series of films is being rebooted. Oh, they're having another go? They're having another go. I mean, as if the previous films weren't bad enough, they're going to have another go at it. <laughs> Um, so how can you recreate the same paranormal activity? Surely it's not paranormal activity if it's happened well, more than twice. That's well, normal. My thing is, it's it's footage from a camera uh, of paranormal activity at night. I mean, there's been so many about that. I mean, what makes it different? I mean, when when the first film came out, it was we hadn't seen it for many, many, many years. You know, it was rebooting that found footage uh, thing that obviously the Blair Witch did, and um, before that, Cannibal Holocaust. So. I get that, but now we're yeah. inundated with found footage. Like you can't go a week without stumbling over at least ten found footage films. And that's just so, in our garage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. I think a lot of eyes were going to be on it. Mm. Um, but if they can refresh it, much like the new version of Saw that is coming out later this year that was written by Chris Rock. Yes, the Chris Rock. Chris Rock? Yeah, Chris Rock. Yeah, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah. So he he had this idea for a new Saw film. So he went to the producers of Saw and said, I'd like to do this. And they went, that's a great idea. Let's reboot the franchise. So there is a new Saw film coming. Okay. So if they're going to follow that sort of train of thought with paranormal activity, that's an interesting idea. It's kind of interesting, mm. I think. Well, I guess we'll see where it goes. Um, I suppose as well. They've now updated the phone technology. Cameras on phones are much better. I mean, we're basically lodged in a real film. I didn't even yeah. notice it's shot on an iPhone. I guess so, yeah. I mean, my only hope is that the dog survives again because, I mean, the dog was the best actor in, what was it, the second or third <laughs> film. Got the same um, dog back. Yeah, as long as they bring the dog back. And the um, the pool cleaner, which everybody just sat and watched because they're like, I don't know what I'm meant to be watching here. I just watched the pool cleaner go round and round. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So Paranormal Activity being rebooted. Now, something that I know will interest you uh, and many other people who are subscribers to Disney Plus. Next week, from the middle of the week, we're going to be getting a whole new section on Disney Plus. It's going to be called Star it's oh, more yes. geared towards adults, shall we say? Um, Disney sub- subscribers. Yes. So anybody who's a subscriber to Disney Plus will get this free of charge. Uh, well, I say free of charge. It's included in your subscription. <laughs> if you're already paying for Disney. Yeah. So they've got a lot of TV shows, a lot of TV shows that never got released over here as well, which is interesting. However, they're hmm. they're putting on a lot of movies on there as well. I got the list. I've got the full list of movies, okay, that they're going to put on there it is the weirdest list of movies i've ever seen in my life i seem to remember seeing a picture they put on social media and it's such a random jumble yeah yeah exactly like they went yes guys we've got die hard um they have (laughs) but they've got die hard two three four and five oh (laughs) (laughs) right okay fine um so they've got that. So the, And then in amongst there, they've got, I mean, this is how random this list is. Okay. They've got The French Connection. Brilliant film. Love that film. Uh, they've got oh, yeah. Gross Point Blank. Love that film. High Fidelity. They've got Love That Film as well. They've got the original, uh, they've got Cleopatra starring Elizabeth Taylor. One of my favorite films oh, wow. of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they've got stuff like that. Uh, I'm just got scrolling through the list now. They've got Ravenous, which starred uh, Guy Pearce. Great film. Uh, they've got um, they've got Ed Wood, uh, the Tim Burton biopic of Ed Wood. Really interesting film. They've got Starship Troopers, brilliant B movie um, oh, that was made nice. in the '90s. Uh, you know they've got all of these things. I'm just looking. They've got White Man Can't Jump, Romeo and Juliet as well, Thirteenth Warrior. All of these. Okay, so you're thinking, great, great. This this sounds massively expanded. What's what's there? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just looking here. Con Air cocktail as well. Um, what else have we got here on this list? It's it's it's. So you're thinking, okay, great, fantastic. They're the high water mark. Okay, um, so <laughs> more in towards the middle, towards the bottom end. Yeah. Um, they've got films like Anna and the King, uh, right? Uh, okay, fine. I don't know what that is. Yes, exactly. You see, uh, they've got <laughs> Casanova. Hmm, not sure anybody has ever seen that film. Uh, they've got Dark Water, the remake, which I actually don't mind. As I said, they've got the weird diehard films that people only want to watch the first one. They've got Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Decent film from the 80s, but mm. uh, they've got The Drop, which is a crime film starring Tom Hardy. They've got oh. Exodus, 
Gods and Kings. Um, they've got Good Morning Vietnam. Love that film. Great film. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, they've got Independence Day 1 and 2. They've hey. also got Holy Man starring Eddie Murphy, which I don't know if anybody's ever seen. Um, they've I got... I don't know if I've heard of it. <laughs> exactly. They've got The Lady Killers, but the oh, remake yeah. of oh. The Lady Killers starring okay. Tom Hanks. They've got Marked for Death by Steven Seagal on there. I, I know, right? Different. Yeah, I mean, completely <laughs> weird. Um, they've got Metro starring Eddie Murphy. I mean, all of these Eddie Murphy films just died without a trace. They really did. Have they um, just gone out and gone, see what you can get that no one's seen? <laughs> yeah, th but this is the thing. Like, it's the most random mix of things on there. Um, say It Isn't So, which had Heather Graham in it, which was not a popular film when it came out in about 2000. Spy Hard, Stakeout, another Stakeout. Spy Hard? Yeah. Spy Hard? I've never heard of this. It sounds terrible. It's the most well. random mix. And then in amongst there, okay. Oh, just notice they've got What's Love Got to Do With It, the Tina Turner biopic, which I, I love. Uh, and it's perfect timing, actually, because there's going to be another Tina Turner biopic coming out later this year. So good timing. Um. In amongst all of that... Okay, so they've got like one hour photo as well, starring Robin Williams. Great film, very dark, very dark film. That phone yeah. booth, starring starring Colin Farrell, Pretty oh, Woman. Yeah, you, you know it's it, the most random mix. So <laughs> in amongst so there, <laughs> the, there was two films that stood out for me as to how did they get the rights to these films? Okay, so the first film is called Night Watch. It's a Russian film from about. Hmm, maybe 15, 20 years ago, um, and it's heavily influenced by The Matrix. It's a brilliant piece of sci-fi that really broke out um, and was very instrumental in a lot of mid-noughties sci-fi movies. Uh, they did Night Watch, they then did Day Watch, and the author also wrote Twilight Watch as well, which I, I read all three books. Um, and Brad Pitt was going to make Twilight Watch, and it was going to basically be set in uh i don't know somewhere in america it was going to be so it was going to cross over anyway it never got made however night watch was one of those films that when it came out had like a bit of a buzz about it and it's weird it's kind of like a bit of a as I said, it's kind of like the matrix it's kind of a bit star warsy as well it's got mm -hmm. these mirror things in it as well it's got it's kind of like vampire things it's really an amalgamation of a lot of things as I said, not a huge film when it came out. However, it was quite influential. So Night Watch is on there. It's a Russian film. I'm like, where, where did this come from? <laughs> where, where did that marriage happen? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then <laughs> in amongst all of these other things, I spot a cover where I'm like, I know this DVD cover. Looking for Richard, the Al Pacino documentary where he goes looking to find the history of Shakespeare's Richard III. Oh, that seems a bit left field as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, right up your so, street, eh? I mean, it's well, yeah. I, I mean, I've got the got like four DVDs of it. It did get released <laughs> here in the UK, I have to say, and it is a really interesting watch because it's an American coming to the UK trying to greater understand Shakespeare because Pacino loves Shakespeare. He loves, he completely loves all of Shakespeare's work, but he yeah. really got obsessed with uh, with Richard the Third. And that's why he made this documentary. So it's kind of a behind the scenes. But at the same time, he gets a lot of his actor friends in to film 
scenes as they're dressed up. So like Winona Ryder is in there as well. I'm trying to think who is it. Like there's loads of people in it. Oh, wow. where you're like, what, what are they doing in here? Um, hey, this is... th- there's a great moment in it where Pacino and a couple of his mates go to the Globe, obviously in uh, on the South Bank. And he yeah. stands on stage and he's talking to a, a, a class, you know, just a normal um, secondary school class about Shakespeare and about his love of Shakespeare. And then he decides How to... How weird would that be? Uh, yeah, that's... It. Well, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. You, you, you're saying that. Hang on, let me tell you. So he's he decides to recite some Shakespeare to them while he's on stage, whatever else. The yeah. camera pans to the class. Quite a lot of them just look in. Then it pans to the back and there's a couple making out. <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> just there going at it hammer oh, and tong yes. shall we say um just like the old days in the globe. i mean yeah. hilarious absolutely <laughs> hilarious it really is um oh, there's a bit later on brilliant. where they decide to go um to stratford upon avon and go to shakespeare's house so what what they do is they shut down shakespeare's house so pacino can go in however they set off the fire alarm oh no yeah oh, yeah <laughs> That'll panic a few people. So <laughs> it is a really Must interesting documentary. Heat. As I said, it's, it's completely different. And I like the fact that it's completely different. And it does feel like the documentary that you would watch at school where the teacher would go, right, I'm going to show you a documentary about how to greater understand Shakespeare. And I have to say, if I'd have seen this, I would have probably enjoyed Shakespeare a bit more. Um, yeah. So, th- mean... so that's in there, in amongst films like The Kingsman and Idiocracy. <laughs> And, you know, The Fault in Our Stars and Good Enough and The East and all of these films. Um, Commando is on there. Con Air is on there. Cocoon. It's the most (laughs) random mix. Yeah. So this is presumably a new direction then for Disney, taking on uh, the other films that the other platforms haven't already got, is it? Well, a lot of these films will be owned by Fox, who obviously Disney bought. Oh, right. Okay. And you know, have been pulled from other streaming services because they want to put them on there. But there is no direct correlation between any of these films at all. Whereas, you know, at the moment you look on Disney Plus and you go, okay, they've got all the classics, all the classic animated. They've got all the Marvels in that section there as well. Uh, They've got all the new animated stuff. They've got the the short films and whatever. So it's all very nicely sort of You know what you're looking for, yeah. That's the thing. You're going to, this just feels like they're going to go, right, here it all is. Everything go, is on there. Good luck finding it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of new films. That's the thing. I've no, I've no idea how that's going to pan out. We yeah. have to wait to see on that one. Um, yeah. Mm. Yes. I'll have to get in touch with you. I'll let them know your details in case they need to uh, check in for a filing system. <laughs> you've got a lot of DVDs to file there. You've, you've cracked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave it with me. I can do it. It's no problem. Yes. You need an Al Pacino section. That's half that room, right? Right. Yeah. Get that on the front page as well. That needs to be on the front page. That one. Yeah. Get more people watching it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yes. Star on Disney Plus from Wednesday, I believe. From Wednesday next week. Yes. Exciting. What are you going to watch first? <clears throat> Out of all that lot. I'll probably end up watching something that I've got on DVD anyway. Yeah, I fancy watching it. Yeah. I've just seen The Water Boys on there. Remember that? Yes. They play foosball. Oh, that's good. See, there is that. some good stuff on there. Like, you're like, oh, I haven't yeah. seen that in years. And then there's stuff where you're like, huh? 
Why, why is this on here? I, <laughs> what? Where does this come from? Bizarre. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we do this week's films? We've got some films this week. We've got films this week. It's a rather eclectic mix this week. We like eclecticism. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's funny, I was just going to say that. Uh, it's film reviews and movie news with Mark Searby and me, Stuart Pink. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what films you got this week, Mark? So, first film this week. This is now exclusively on the Sky Cinema from this weekend, basically. Mm. Ooh, so exclusive. this is called To Olivia. This is the story of the tumultuous marriage between actress Patricia Neal and the renowned writer Roald Dahl. Oh. Yes. Um, Real-life biopic. It, well... Hmm. That's interesting you say that. It is a real-life biopic, but it's only a small time frame biopic. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, it's about the time where their, their eldest daughter, Olivia, dies from measles and how it affected them collectively as a family and also individually as well. So mm. I'm going to say I don't think this is a kid's film. I think it is very much a film for adults who are willing to take on what I think is very heavy viewing material. And I say it's heavy because it does tackle a lot of tough subjects, such as the death of a child, um, the inability Mm. to grieve, isolation, alcoholism, and a lot more. And not to mention a slight detour into the struggles of an actress vying for a big part in a film when she hasn't really done anything for a long time. So it's not a kid's film. No, but like a lot of Roald Dahl stories and plots, a little bit dark in places. Yeah. Do you know, that's the funny thing. Having spoken to a few people who um, grew up with Tales of the Unexpected, this yeah. fe- this feels like it fits much better for people who enjoyed Tales of the Unexpected compared mm-hmm. to those of us who grew up with Dahl's um, novels, uh, uh, children's novels. You know, the thing is, you know, I was thinking about this. I think there's at least five generations that have grown up with Dahl's children's books. He's definitely a, a classic for kids, isn't he? Yeah, well, you think his kids' books started to be published in the late 60s. So you can yeah. probably say 70s was where it sort of slightly took off. By the 80s, that was my decade, I was reading all of them. And obviously, you know, moving into where you were as well, 90s, noughties, you know, the Still, the doll books are hugely popular now. I mean, massively yeah. popular. That's the thing. Now they're so made into films. Made into film. I mean, that's when you know you've made it. Um, so yeah. I think there's, yeah, I think there's five generations. And I think doll's work is literally the embodiment of many folks around the world childhood as well. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's as I said, snapshot back in time. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And I think a lot of people are happy to go back. I mean, me and you joke all the time about how much we love the twits. You know, I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah, we are. the twits. We're, Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. But it just shows you how much that's impacted. I mean, when was the last time you read the twits? Oh, God. Uh, exactly. A, exactly. Like, you can't remember, yeah. can you? You can't remember. <laughs> I can't. No. But it yeah. just shows you the impact this man has, really. But that's on childhood this film is not about childhood at all and it's a film that i think probably many viewers uh, uh, sorry an era snapshot where many viewers were not aware of i certainly wasn't aware of it but because of that i found it quite a fascinating watch so hugh bonneville plays Roald Dahl. i can't think of a finer actor to play him to be honest very well cast yeah very well cast 
really looks like him as well. They've done a really good job with the uh, with the <laughs> the comb over sort of. Um, <laughs> um, so it's been growing he, out for a long time. Yeah, um, I think. It's what Bonneville brings that is the most impressive. He brings a lot of humility and quite a lot of touches of a man struggling to accept grief. And I think there's enough in Bonneville's performance to really get to the heart of Dahl during that time. Mm. Sadly, I don't think the same can be said for Keeley Hawes as Patricia Neal. Um, this oh. is Dahl's wife. She's American. She's the mother of their children. She's an actress in her own right as well. But in the film... She's almost like a secondary character in her own story. And I found this really disappointing. It's only towards the end where she goes back to Hollywood to audition for Hood, the film which she won the Oscar for. Um, do we actually get a storyline that involves her as a character? Now, I don't blame Keely Hawes at all because I think she gives a rather commanding performance based on what little she has to operate what she's with. she's got to work with, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think this sidelining comes from the script and it not doing enough to make this film about both parents. Instead, it's focusing so much more on Roald Dahl. Um, mm. Beyond that, I will say, there's a really great performance here by young Isabella Johnson as Sophie Dahl. So obviously we know Sophie Dahl, the actress, model, DJ, um, oh. all of these things now, you know, all of them. Um I think this is a brilliant performance. Absolutely fantastic. Considering she's got such a small part in it, she really shines in this film. Really impressed with what she does in this. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, you know, you were Star saying there the about Americans. you were saying about um, biopics, and you know, oh, it's a biopic of Roald Dahl. Would I have liked an entire biopic of Roald Dahl? Yes, absolutely. Because you know, let's face it, he he yeah. lived quite the life. He was a spy. Was he? He I was a spy that. in the in the <sighs> war. Then oh he God. came home. I, I know, right? We have so that, to have this film. Then. So that's even before he started writing kids' books or Tales of the Unexpected or anything else like that. Yeah. Okay. So would I have liked a biopic about Roald Dahl? Yes, absolutely. However, as snapshot, small time frame biopics go, I think the writers have chosen a very interesting and difficult period yeah. for Dahl's life. Yeah, I think it works precisely for that reason. Yeah, it's an interesting take to do just a small, small snapshot of a life rather than a whole yes. thing. But I suppose you still leave it open to yes. go for and, the big one. Uh, I have to say, perfect timing for it coming out right now um, because this is all the story about his daughter Olivia dying from measles and how it, what you find out is that ultimately um, Dahl and Neil put a lot of their finances into creating vaccinations for measles for children. Oh, wow. Yes, very timely indeed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And just as an aside, Hugh Bonneville is a vaccination marshal down on the south coast at the moment. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's living the real dream. He is. He, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess so. Imagine that. Go down yeah. there. Hugh Bonneville's there. Be like going to Downton Abbey for your jab. Wouldn't it's it? kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get afternoon tea afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> so where's this on? This was So this, this was is exclusively on Sky Cinema at the moment. Sky Cinema exclusive. Awesome. What have we got next? So on Amazon Prime, uh, we've got a film called I Care A Lot. This is about a oh. crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly care home patients. Where and But she meets her match when a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. Oh, 
Now, you've seen the trailer for this, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. So obviously it stars the fantastic Rosamund Pike in this. Um, Indeed, yes. It's, you know, from the trailer alone, you're like, this is quite a sleek production. Yeah. It's all very clinical. Um, very, very cool looking. Yes, very cool, very stuff. calm. It almost feels like it could be in the sort of Ocean's Eleven mould, sort of. Exactly what I thought, yeah. Yeah. Just um, except Rosamund Pike isn't eating all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <Brad> Pitt. <laughs> That's true. I have to say, um, I like that about it. I like the fact that it is a sleek crime film. It's very clinical, very aggressive, because it's a story about this crooked legal guardian who really she really ramps up the blood pressure when you're watching it i could feel myself getting angry at what this woman was doing and then (laughs) when it only got more depraved and deadly as the film went on i just continued to get more and more angry at what she was doing basically and i think you know kudos to jay blakeson the writer director for writing such a reprehensible character that I, I simply hate, but I can't turn away from. Yeah. That's you the thing. hate them, but you kind of want to find out how it goes. Yeah. And I yeah. think extra kudos to Rosamund Pike for her performance as Marla Grayson, this, the, the woman at the centre of it, um, because it is an absolute dynamite performance. Because while the cast, while the rest of the cast are very good, nobody comes close to Rosamund Pike's domineering performance that's just so nasty and devious that you... Honestly, I was kind of sat there thinking, I don't know how much lower this woman will go. <laughs> and then it does. She goes lower. And you think, this is despicable. But yeah. I can't turn away from it. That's the thing. <laughs> and then what happens is, um, Marla Grayson meets her match in Diane Weiss's Jennifer Peterson. Um, because Peterson has a guardian, is probably the best way to describe this, watching over her from afar. This person is not to be messed with. And as the film evolves, we begin to discover who this person really is and why he's got such a vested interest in keeping uh, Jennifer Peterson safe. And so basically it turns into like a a cat and mouse game that spirals and spirals. And, you know, I'm going to get one better than you. No, I'm getting one better than you, et cetera, et cetera. Better in the opposition. It's done in such a nasty way yeah i mean the as i said the film really stoops quite low in terms of how reprehensible uh, reprehensible these characters will go but also it doesn't ask you to love them or hate them that's the interesting thing like it doesn't make you go i really hate rosamund pike's character so you're not rooting for a particular side you're just watching it yeah i think you know that's a good point i think you're not you're less rooting for Rosamund Pike, but at the same time, who she's up against, yeah, is is not somebody who you would normally root for. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it is terrific writing. I think it's it cool is very well directed as well. Mm-hmm. I really like this film. Um, it really hits hard. I know it's a nasty piece of work and it really doubles down on it being very nasty. Great performances all round, all on the knife edge. And it kind of threw me in terms of where I thought it was going next. Did it a couple of times to me where I thought, okay, that's not what I was expecting it to do. Yeah. And I think that's why that's it works so nice well. to see sometimes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Especially when you think, well, you know, it's a crime thriller and whatever else. Yeah, but when it does... Do some stuff, get caught and then... Yeah, when it does the these twists that you're not sure of, you think, okay, right, fine. Hmm. They've caught me off here and uh, well done. Yes, yes. Yeah, great film. Great film. As I said, very aggressive, 
very reprehensible, very ugly, very nasty, but I really liked it for being that. That's that's what we like in cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some days. (laughs) Depends what mood we're in. Yes. (laughs) So that's on what? This is exclusively on Amazon Prime here in the UK. Around the world, it's on Netflix. Oh, oh, yeah, I thought I saw it on Netflix logo. I thought, hello. Oh, so over here, we're on Amazon Prime, if you're listening. Yes, so in the UK, Amazon Prime, the rest of the world, Netflix. For international listeners. Yes. Netflix is where you go. Cool, we've got two more films to do uh, before we do. Have you got your garden clippers with you? (laughs) I've got my garden shears. Trim my bush. (laughs) You do that while we do this. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. He's back from trimming his bush. Mark Sibby. Hello. Yes. Been in my garden. <laughs> You've been in, been in your front lawn. Yes. Let's not make too many jokes because we could spiral here and we might not be on next week. Um, yeah. The reason <laughs> yes. we made this joke is because The Secret Garden is now on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, The Secret Garden. The Secret Garden. So this is They've the new version of it. Okay. We must, we've got to point this out. This is the new version that was on Sky Cinema last year. Um, that we did review when it was on Sky Cinema. Now it's on DVD and Blu-ray, basically. So this is the latest adaptation of Francis Hodgson Burnett's classic. Absolute classic. I've, I've heard, read and seen several different iterations of this story throughout my life. It seems ah, to keep coming back. You're it? a Secret Garden fan, is what you're saying. Well, I wouldn't even say I was a fan. It just seems to keep popping up. Like I've read it and then I've heard the audio book and then I've seen one of the films and it's just... It's always been there, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of have a secret garden, wouldn't it? That's yeah, that's the thing. Do you know, I've not read the book. Um, none of the other, I, I've only seen the film from 1993, and I really like that version. I have to say, I really like it. Yeah, that was, was that was great. That was good. Um, this one has been written by Jack Thorne, who has written a lot of really good British TV shows. He, he did This Is England, His Dark Materials, uh, The Virtues. Uh, he's done a few oh. films as well, so um, Radioactive, which we reviewed last year. Oh, um, yeah. He also did the Julius Roberts film like Wonder it. as well. Um, so, I mean, you, when you get somebody like Jack Thorne into your film, you're like, well, this is you know, this is a guy who knows how to write for film or TV. It doesn't really matter. He's got a vision. My concern is uh, I'm really confused as to what he's aiming for here because – Alongside the director, Mark Munden, who I've noticed is kind of, he's normally doing um, TV shows rather than films or anything. Oh, right. Okay. I think this adaptation doesn't bring anything new or fresh to the original story. In fact, it feels quite old. And when you're aiming for an audience, children and families, and they see something that's really uninteresting and quite dated, as this version of The Secret Garden seems to be, I think it's a really hard sell to get them to see it in favor of going to see... You know, going to whatever else them. is out. Yeah, the latest animated movie or you know, yeah. Marvel film or whatever else it's it is. The Trolls so, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it comes back around. So <laughs> I think there's very little on offer here for kids or families or even... Somebody like yourself, actually, Stuart, who you know has has read the book and audio book and watched the original film. I don't think there's that much here that you're yeah. going to turn around and go, "This is a another interesting version that I will happily go back and watch." I don't think it's that good at all. And I think part of it 
It's because Mary, who's the orphan um, and is kind of the central character, I guess, is very difficult to like. She comes across so brattish and really full of herself that I never warm to her throughout the entire <laughs> film. Yeah, I think it's a performance that needed a director to turn around and say, no, you need to, you need to change it up. We need nice. something that, you know, we've, we've got a performance here that's, too harsh in a kids yeah. film i think that's kind of how it's written in the book i think that's what the that's basically what the writers when you we make a film that's that's the point isn't it to make oh, it yeah, modern no, and more relatable and do you know it's interesting you say that because when i saw this last year i did make a note to look out on wikipedia as to how mary was written and mm. it's exactly what you were saying is that she is written as a spoiled child and i get that but this feels like it goes way beyond that that's yeah. the problem. And I think it throws the rest of the film off because she's the central character. And when you don't like the central character, I'm not just saying like, you know, oh, I'm not a big fan of her. You know, we know that she's a spoiled child and whatever else. Kind of like when you think about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, we know Augustus Gloop is, you know, spoiled child and um, uh, the, the young girl in it, uh, Violet, is it? I oh, think. yeah, Veruca. Veruca, thank you. We yes. know that these are obnoxious children, but you still kind of tolerate them because you think something is going to happen and yeah. maybe they'll find still their goodness. With it, I don't it? think that happens here. Mm. So not liking a central character in any facet in a kid's film, I think is a really bad way to go. I've got to be yeah. honest. The kids won't. What I do like about this film is how it looks. It really has mm. a very gothic look to it. Um, the final third of the film really hits a lot of gothic storytelling beats, um, which I thought worked very well. It reminded me of a lot of work of Guillermo del Toro, which, hey, as I said, I'm a huge fan of his work anyway. Yeah. The, the issue is that by the time it hits the gothic aesthetic, I think a lot of people are going to have checked out on it because the opening 60 minutes are such a slog to get through. Because it's yeah. not doing anything of serious note. That's a big chunk of film to sit. Yeah, exactly, you get it's to a big chunk bit. of film. Yeah, that's the problem yeah. when you're going. I've got to sit through sixty minutes to actually see something good. I think that's where it is. So, I think the problem with this is when you have such a long line of adaptations of this, as you said, you know, audiobook, book, uh, the nineteen ninety three film as well. I'm sure there's been loads of other versions of it. It's probably a TV movie or something oh, else. Um, TV show. Yeah, exactly. This thing, probably loads Animated of Lego special. That's probably all <laughs> going on. When you have all of those, <laughs> this yeah. just feels wasteful. It feels like, why would you watch this when you have infinitely better versions? And to me, the 1993 version is still worth watching to this day. It doesn't feel old. And that's really impressive. Whereas this... I feel is old before it's even old. Yeah. Oh, Jane, I just needed to put a few weeds out, trim it back a bit. <laughs> Landscaping was just a bit off. Yes. Yes. A bit more uh, trimming around there. Yes. <laughs> Maintain that secret garden. What have we got next? Uh, so we've got a film called The Climb, uh, which is a the look climb. at a friendship between two guys that spans over many years. Um, we've seen films many years over the years about bromances oh the um, classic bromance yeah yes. absolutely 
But I'm hard pressed to think of any film that gets the bromance angle as right as The Climb does, because it feels perfectly exact. Nice. I think the writing is spot on, the acting is excellent, and the story is perfect bromance. So we get Mike and Kyle, uh, they're two friends from school, now in their late 20s, and the, the film opens with them cycling up a hill with Mike demanding Kyle keep up in terms of pace. And for some unknown reason, Mike thinks that's the perfect time to tell Kyle that he's just had sex with his fiance. <laughs> right. Yeah, great time. Great time. Yeah, exactly. So, going to do it. Cue a yeah. lot of shouting uh, and a bit of a brawl with a local car driver. That, <laughs> and then Mike ends up in hospital. The scene is played for laughs. And in actual yeah. fact, the whole film is actually played for like a, a smart comedy of errors. But the underlying narrative is that of the fact that although one of the guys does something stupid and hurts the other one, they still sort of forgive each other because they know they are each other's best friends. They are and bros. Always, yes. Exactly. They're bros. They always will be there. And as the timeline moves through the years, we see Mike and Kyle fall out over another woman. They come to blows again. Uh, and and it, honestly, in fact, the whole time I was thinking... How have these guys not started fighting more often? Because <laughs> the, it feels like they should. But therein lies the brilliance of the film in that it is ripped direct from real life. And us blokes are quite the forgiving bunch when it comes to our best mates. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I would probably agree. Yeah. So that's why I think the writing... Is you let so me get away with a lot, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Um, and this film shows that. And that's why I think the writing is really sharp. It's very funny. And at times, it feels like you're watching a documentary. And you can't help but love and hate Mike and Kyle in equal measure. But at the same time, you never want to see them fall apart again. You never want to see them not talking. That's the beauty of the film. That said... It's not a slapstick comedy. I said it's a comedy of errors, yeah. but it doesn't go for the huge belly laughs. Instead, it's much more of a chucklesome film that I think is more interested in being rooted in real life. So, you know, it, for all its indie ruse, this, feel, this film feels so much more at home with a lot of real life dramas and thrillers that we have seen and reviewed through the years. Um I, I, probably the, the best way to describe this film, probably the best word to describe this film is honest. I think yeah. this is the most honest film about male friendship that you will see for a long time. So this film nice. comes highly recommended for the men. For the and, guys. Yeah. The guys. And I, do you know what? I think it for anybody else who watches it, they'll go, yeah, that's just typical men. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see a bromance film that doesn't have Vince Vaughn or Seth Rogen just hamming it up and going mm -hmm. all sort of stoner comedy. Yes. It's, it seems like the kind of... It's not a British film. Is it a British film? No, no, it's not. It's... No, it's an American film. But as I said, small independent uh... film. Um, but yeah, you're right. It that helps. Kind of well, I mean, we had meant, we've talked about this before where it helps when you have unknowns in the role because you don't think, oh, that's Seth Rogen trying to play a down and out kind of guy. Yeah. No, no, you don't know these people. So you're just like, that could be that guy. You don't know. And as I said, it has a very documentary type feel to it. And I think that's the beauty of it, um, that you don't know these people. So you get more invested in them. Yeah. Oh, nice. So this is on DVD? So this is on DVD. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure if it's on stream. And I have to say, I haven't heard of anything at all um, that it is. 
but it might well be. We don't know. In this day and age, it's probably on digital download <laughs> rather than Who on knows? DVD. It's it's somewhere. It's out there. It's out there. It's called the Climb, and uh, it's it's bromance, bromancing the bromance a plenty, bromance a plenty. No, oh, lovely, lovely show isn't it. What uh, what's on the telly box this week, Mark? So Saturday night, um, we've got Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh yes, yes. Bunbury broke his ankle. Yes, yes, which they oh. left in the film. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, look, let's face it, Tom Cruise um, in a Mission Impossible film, I'm there. The second one, absolutely, I'm sort of indifferent to, but the rest of them I think are great. This is really good because obviously we get Rebecca Ferguson back as uh, Isla. I think she's fantastic. We get introduced to Vanessa Kirby in this one as well, who's great in it as well. We also get Henry Cavill. We get that brilliant fight in the toilets between Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise as well. Um, They also try to macho up Simon Pegg, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) It is just a really good all-round action flick that knows what it's doing. And I think the Mission Impossible franchise is one of the is the franchise that has consistently been really good from Dot. As I said, the second one, yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to it. John Woo's style does not match Tom Cruise. What was the second one now? I can't the, remember what happened in the second the one. The eh? second one is where Tom Cruise got really long hair and he's on a motorbike quite a lot and there's doves in it because it's John oh, Woo. Oh, yes. It's okay. It's, it's a yeah. bit too long. But, uh, yeah, it's consistently really good. Like, you, People turn out for this because they know what they're getting. And let's face it, there's a big sequence in this where Tom Cruise is hanging off a helicopter, you know, oh, and I'm like, just come on. Amazing, isn't come it? Come on. The man is, um, what did I say? He's 60 now. <laughs> and yeah, he's still doing his own stunts. Most and people think, are happy to book a helicopter ride, never mind, hang off the yeah, side of one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I know people have probably seen this, but it just reminds you how good an action film can be in this day and age and how it can still thrill us. So I think that's great. So that's Saturday night, 9pm on Channel 4 um, for all the thrill seekers. I'm there. Sunday, 6.05pm on Channel 4, we have Isle of Dogs, which is a film from Wes Anderson. It is a stop motion film. Um, A very interesting way this is animated, isn't it? Yes. So stop motion, but it's a very rough animation, isn't it? I've not seen it, but I just see the pictures of it, the posters, and I remember thinking, Yes, it's a very rough stop-motion claymation film. So it's not like Wallace and Gromit or anything else like that. This is very rough. Um, mm. It's the story of a young boy who goes searching for his long-lost dog on the... I think they call it Trash Island, but obviously it's Trash Isle of Dogs Island. because that's where they send all the dogs because they think that these dogs are breeding... Um, a virus that is I mean perfect timing Um, so they send all of these dogs (laughs) to this island but this young boy loves his dog so much so he goes there and tries to find him along the way he comes across all of these different dogs who help him basically Um, so here's the brilliance of this film beyond the animation which is wonderful and very different very very different the young boy uh, doesn't speak English the film doesn't translate what he says either. The oh, dogs no. translate it. So the dogs speak English, yeah. but all of the humans speak in their native tongue, but then it is translated by either a dog or a translator in the film as well. Oh, interesting. Yes. Interesting. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I think it's very... It, it's for teenagers above. I think it is more geared towards adults, I've got to be honest. Um 
rather than kids. I don't think it's a kids' film at all. I yeah. think it is a bit, as I said, a bit too rough and ready, um, and it does deal with some heavy subjects like capitalism and um, pandemics, um, <laughs> which you know <laughs> are in vogue at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, very fashionable. Yeah, um, and overthrowings of, of governments as well. It's all going on here. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Not what we expect from a film about dogs. Yeah, um, but it is a really, really good film. And I think anybody who nice. saw Fantastic Mr. Fox, which Wes Anderson did as well, and like that, and you haven't seen Isle of Dogs, do watch Isle of Dogs. I think Isle of Dogs is better than Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's got a hell of a cast as well. Just yes, voice through cast. through the names here. Yes. Oh, Brian Cranston, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Henry Cavill. No, no, not him. Dildas <laughs> Winston. Oh, it's just loads. Went Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yes. Oh, like amazing yes great cast great voice cast where's this so this is uh sunday afternoon well sunday 605 p.m on channel four channel four it's all on channel four this week it is it is they've got the uh, they've got the good films yeah uh cool what we got to look forward to next week uh so next week um it is a bit um male heavy shall we say yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about Capone, the new film from Tom Hardy, um, all about the legendary gangster Al Capone. Uh, we're going to be talking nice. about a new film from Joe Manganiello. People might remember him as Deathstroke from the uh, DC movies or from Magic Mike. Um, he's in a comic book movie called Arch Enemy. But this is a comic book movie that I don't think a lot of people are aware of, I have to say. We're going to be talking about a new film from Riz Ahmed, uh, Britain's own Riz Ahmed, called Mogul Mowgli, uh, which he was very instrumental in putting together. And nice. we're going to we be talking Riz. about the breakout hit of last summer's lockdown. It is a horror film called Host. Host. Oh, the breakout hit. And here we are. It's been released. And we're still in lockdown. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know if they're going to do a sequel or not. Oh, Host. Uh, hosting, hosting, hostess, hostess. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> That'll just be vibe. me. That'll just be me wheeling around a hostess trolley. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that in a minute. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll say bye bye. Have a good one. We'll do. And uh, next week, bring your hostess trolley with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. 98 FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online. This is Phoenix 98 FM.